Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Um, so joining us today is uh, author uh, Blake Allwood. Thank you for being here, Blake. Thank you for having me. Blake, how did you become a writer? Like, what, what was it that... Um, started with you that all of a sudden now you're you're writing well so a little history of me i was a, a kindergarten teacher turned foster parent full-time um back many many years ago and uh when my kids finally moved out and i had an empty mess i had a lot of time on my hands so um <laughs> why not write gay romance i thought so that's kind of where it started <laughs> hmm. so so was there a particular reason you chose gay romance was it something you read a lot or did you um read other things and, and so what yeah what what brought you into that well so i've always been intrigued by romance uh literature you know gay romance hasn't really been out i guess they call it mm romance now uh hasn't really been out at least not in my world uh for very long um, I, even as a teenager, I, I would read Mary Stewart, and then later, as an adult, I fell in love with Nora Roberts. So I, I was very intrigued by romance all along. When I had a whole house full of kids, I didn't have time to read. Um, but one of my 
um, teenagers came out of the closet when he was 14, and I didn't really know how to help him navigate uh, the world that we were living in, so I began to write short stories. Not gay romance, uh, by the way. That yeah. was the inappropriate. <laughs> but I began to write short stories for him to help him uh, get get my point across about how to date and how you know it really is just a normal life. Um, and then when he moved out, I began to write more of the gay romance novels um, instead of just short stories. Yeah. Uh, so where do you get your inspiration? So like when you do a character. In a in a in a male male romance, um, where do you draw that character from? Are they completely made up, or do they come from someone you know, or from someone you've seen, or where does that come from? To be very honest, it comes from usually a dream or a waking dream in the middle of the night <laughs> as I'm lying in bed, and the scenario goes through my head, and then I can't sleep, so I get up and write it. Um, I, I think that there's, with any writer, I think we all have a bit of a uh, uh, real life tie in our characters, but definitely for me, it's mostly fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Imagination. Yeah. Oh, I understand that. Um, but but I was just wondering, so because so, in the first book you got, it's called Aiden Inspired, and then you've got Susie Empowered. Now. They're related. That's a brother sister, right? So, Correct. how so? How does so? You come along with um, a storyline and and Aiden inspired, and you're doing that. So, how did all of a sudden you get a second book in that where you're pulling the sister now? So you, you've got this sort of relative happening. Um, see, because that's all created. So I find that fascinating. Well, you know, Aiden inspired was 100 percent imagination. Uh, I. I wrote that actually two and a half years ago, um, but didn't publish it until last year. But Susie, I sort of fell in love with her character uh, as I wrote the book. She is definitely a whole lot of energy. Um, she's, for your listeners, she was a Broadway star um, and from Kansas City, which, you know, I'm, I was in Kansas City for 25 years, so that's sort of why Aiden and Susie were from there, because I knew about the area and could talk about their childhood. Susie, um, I wasn't going to write a male-female romance until the Me Too movement started. And having had a personal experience with child sexual assault, I was very disturbed by how the Me Too movement uh, I'm sorry, I was disturbed by how people were treating the Me Too movement. When people would come out about their abuse or their assaults, um, the public wasn't very friendly uh, and to a lot of them, especially the ones that were in a political situation. So I wrote Susie because she was so fun and it was such an easy, lively book that I thought it would be easy to talk about a, a difficult subject like uh, sexual abuse and sexual assault, and so that's that's why I wrote a straight romance. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, well, I, I mean, don't you think kind of romance is romance if it's? I, I mean, there might be different characters and different different. <laughs> there's plumbing that's very different. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's why you know there's difference in passion and all this stuff, but the, it was just. Um, 
I guess there's a whole different energy when you have, let's say, two men as opposed to a man and a woman in a relationship. I think men deal with, with romance and love differently than women do, for sure. Um, and that's stereotyping, and I don't mean to do that. But I, I think, as a whole, uh, women tend to be more emotional about sex and relationships and romance than even, and I feel, I consider myself really emotional, emotionally driven man. But <laughs> even I am less so than a lot of the uh, uh, romance novels that I have read um, about men and women relationships. They tend to be much more emotionally driven than um, than I am. <laughs> yeah, well, so I think that's a big difference. Yeah, well, yeah, because there's, when you have a, a woman in relationship, especially if they have children or if she wants children, that's going to... Um, that's going to be a whole different aspect to uh, to the energy of two men. Um, Although a lot of well, I mean, in in male male romance, there's this whole set, whole genre or subgenre where they talk about impreg, where men can get pregnant. So I mean, <laughs> that that's not necessarily a barrier any longer. Yeah, yeah, no, no, right, rightfully so. Uh, but, uh, you know, to be honest, in my experience, you know, um, with male, male, um, quite a few, um, I don't know what it is. There's, a, it's kind of an interesting aspect of, of a relationship. Uh, two men can be married for many years, but yet still have sex with other people. And it can be okay in a yeah. male, male male relationship it can be a standard it's actually uh it's it's not uncommon uh whereas in a straight married couple that's not common i mean it can be common that people are getting sex on the side but it's not known <laughs> to each other like it's a secret you know what i mean yeah. if, the, if the man's out um dabbling around he's not telling his wife and she doesn't know about it i think that you're right i think in in straight relationships i the dynamics are different as far as open relationships versus cheating. Um, but I don't think, oh, I think, you know, both, both um, sets of, of relationships have that have cheating as an issue. But um, I do think that gay men are more open to open relationships for sure. Um, and less likely to be upset when they find out their partner is dating other men in a gay relationship maybe yeah well i think i think there's a difference i, I think that um maybe i'm wrong but uh, from my experience i think uh, gay men can associate or they can tell the difference uh b between love relationship and building a life together and um hookups like th there's a definite difference in them and you know I think, yeah you know you, you're talking about a culture that's that's come up through a world of hiding uh, since, you know, well, until recently, I think, you know, even I came out in the 90s, and, you know, it's all about hiding your relationship um, from your parents or your from family, from your work. And, and so I think that there's this pervasive, um, especially for those of us who are older, there's this pervasive hiding uh, that that's part of our experience as a gay person you know i've been in a 25-year monogamous relationship uh, but that 
I think it comes more from the fact that I came out early. Uh, I was accepted pretty early on. So I didn't have that, um, that a lot of my friends that are a little older than I did, than I am, experienced. Um, because in their, they, they, they often talk about, well, you know, I, I don't want to be in a monogamous relationship. And they're clear with their partner from the very beginning, and their partners are cool with it. So I, I think, you know, it, it's all still sort of in the air. And then I think the younger generation is extremely interesting because whether you're a male-female relationship or a male-male relationship or bisexual relationships, I think they see sexuality very different than the rest of us do and are much more open to open relationships no matter who they are. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think they're, they're seeing things... Um, from their own point of view, and it's different than our generation. I, I'm much the same as you. I'm 57, and um, you know, yeah. And I was I was out in the 90s, so yeah, I can. I guess the people now, you know, because there's all the gender identity and stuff. So there's a whole different sexual revolution going on now. It is. It's very and very interesting to watch, and sometimes a little hard to, to grasp from my 49 as of yesterday yeah. year old brain oh. <laughs> <laughs> well there you go happy birthday <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> still young um and well, this is why i'm not with people your age yeah <laughs> <laughs> well do you do, you, do, do so do you miss the 90s in the sense I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah well not only well you see i miss the 90s for a couple of reasons one is definitely it seemed to be a more fun time um it seemed to be a lot better time than what we're going through now um there seemed to be less issue than there is now which is this is crazy because you should once you go through it it should just get better not not worse and and the other thing is there was something i don't want to say exclusive but i almost feel that way um because we had clubs and we had our own sort of world going on and a lot of that's disappeared I think absolutely right. I, the 90s for me, I got to go play, and I got to be a teacher uh, over in this little world, and over in the other world, I got to be free. I went dancing, and I remember the first time I went to a dance club, and I'm from the South. I'm from Tennessee, and I remember the first time I went into a country western bar and saw two men two-stepping, and I, I just thought I had died and gone to heaven, <laughs> and I... I, I mourn very much so that that is that world is sort of gone. I, and the country western bar that I went to in the nineties is gone, as well as so many other places we used to go. That you know, and, and other kinds of music that was there. Yeah. Well, well, I think it's just yeah. Like I said, you know, as we get older, the next generation sees something different. So. Um, and and that's it's, it's really interesting the changes. Do you, do, does that affect your writing in uh, when you're dealing in romance, or do you think romance is still the same? <laughs> oh, I don't know. So I tend to write <laughs> people my age, um, Generation X more, and, and baby boomers than I than I do the new generation. Only because I I, I understand my own generation more than I do. Um, the younger, the younger people. Uh, but that doesn't mean I don't have a lot of followers who are younger. I think that um, 
it does affect, you know, I'm influenced by the 90s because that's when I was out. Um, And then I was a teacher and foster parent where I didn't, where I was married. (laughs) And so I wasn't doing a whole lot of associating with the gay community. And so it changed while I was in hiding (laughs) or or busy, I guess is a better word. Yeah. So I think that absolutely that doesn't um, impact my writing. Um, Luckily, I have a lot of followers, uh, mostly women that are younger that I can send my book to and go, did I miss this completely? <laughs> and they write back, yes. <laughs> and then tell me how to fix it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's interesting. So do, do, I've heard this now. I don't know. Um, so you find most of your followers and probably your readers are, are women. Correct. So I have 70% of my readership are women. Um, I, that, that is slowly changing. But it's because I am I'm working really hard to recruit more gay male or, or gay or male in general readership. I actually have a couple straight men that, that like to read my book, um, which is kind of fun and different. Yeah, shocking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, I guess there's there's maybe an interest in what what they're intrigued. yeah yeah I think intrigued yeah you know according. Kinsey scale, we're all somewhere in the, most of us are in the bisexual part of this whole world anyway. But, um, and I think the younger generation is giving us more freedom to, if you identify straight, to look over on the gay side and go, okay, well, that's interesting. I may not ever want to do it, but it's interesting to look at. Yeah, I think it's a little less of an issue now. I think uh, you're right. For that Absolutely. generation. So I think that's good. Um, so, you, it's just I find this interesting. Now it says here though that that you um, are you releasing a book in in um, you said in April, uh, the standalone. <laughs> and it hasn't been released. No. It... So <laughs> I do have one, and I I'm dabbling dabbling in suspense, and I'm wanting to expand my writing a little. I, I love contemporary romance, but I wanted to expand a little bit, and so I. I wrote a suspense romance, and um, when I sent it to, and it's kind of a funny story. So my husband is definitely not a romance reader <laughs> in any sense of the word. No, not ever going to love to do that. Tom Clancy, yes. Uh, Nora Roberts, not so much. Um, and then my editor is a straight man, college professor that I used to know back in Missouri, and uh, so he started doing my major edits. So he did the editing. My husband did the proofing. And then I sent the book to my proofreader, who's a woman in uh, romance, straight romance writer in England, and she sent it back, and she goes, Honey, that is not a romance. (laughs) (laughs) It's suspenseful, but it is not a romance. So uh, I got to rewrite that. (laughs) <laughs> oh. oh, so what, was it you incorporating some sort of crime, or just what, where's the suspense built from? Yeah, so it's it's basically the story of a a young man who grew up. Uh, his father was abusive. Uh, he ends up in jail. Um, he's befriended by a guy. The, the novel starts out. He's befriended by a guy who ends up attacking him, and they are. Um, they are uh, sort of like 
it's not an HGTV, but it's like a HGTV program where they're renovating these houses in Seattle. And his partner, a friend of his, is renovating the home with him and ends up attacking him. And so it's a, the story is about where all that came from and how that happened. Um, his partner ends up being uh, another um, renovation star that comes to work for him, begrudgingly. <laughs> and so the whole story ends up being kind of, it ends up having the Irish mafia involved, and there's a lot of people who end up getting arrested, but um, one, or, one of them may end up getting kidnapped. <laughs> people get killed. <laughs> Wow. So it's not a contemporary romance in any sense of the word. So, <laughs> No, it doesn't sound like it. Um, well, that's good. I mean, uh, do you think you're going to head in that direction then? You're going to go further into suspense and mystery and, and that sort of thing? Well, I told you I love Nora Roberts. Nora Roberts is sort of my inspiration. And, uh, you know, she writes great romance only. No, no, I want to be clear about that. So the listeners don't think that I'm saying she writes great romance. She does not. But I'm, I'm influenced by her, and she writes a lot of different kinds of romance. So she has suspense romance. She has fantasy. She has some paranormal and um, a lot of contemporary. So my goal would be to be able to expand my horizons and, and have different uh, subgenres within the gay romance genre. Hmm. Do, do, do you find it difficult to publish um a gay romance, or do you think there's a, a, a some sort of stigma to it, or something? Um, is there a problem with that, or an issue? I don't. Well, so I don't think a lot of your mainstream publishers are publishing a lot of gay literature in general. I think that's uh, they there are some, but certainly male male romance, uh, gay romance. That is not. You don't find the mainstream publishers publishing any of it. For the most part, you find that either in your small publishers, but in a larger part, self-published. Through, and there's a couple of venues that you can do to do that. But I go through Amazon. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I sort of I've heard that. Um, I've always been in the true crime era or nonfiction, so I've never I've never ventured into the into any of the uh, fiction or or drama or any of that stuff. Um, not as yet, anyway. So I was just wondering how that was, and I've heard that none of the mainstream publishers really publish uh, that kind of book. So no, not yet. But I, you know, three years ago is when I started, and I started reading uh, Lucy Lennox is a, a pretty popular uh, MM romance not author, and three years ago she was just getting started, and I think that when I talked to her uh, back then about publishing my books. I think even then, you know, it was just not really a lot of action going on. In the last three years, growth, there's been a huge growth. And a lot of authors who write straight, straight romance and are published, best-selling authors. There's a couple best-selling authors uh, in romance that was on the New York Times best-selling uh, bestsellers list. They are moving over to MM Romance because it's grown grown so much, and so many people are wanting to read it, especially women. 
are wanting to read it. So I don't think it'll be long before the mainstream publishers catch wind of it and, and want to play. <laughs> because they tend to go where the money is, I think, like any business. And definitely uh, MM Romance is, is, is ticking up. Oh, for sure. I think that, you know, they, they run as a business. Their object is, you know, to make money, profit. Um, so, yeah, for sure. It's it's kind of their, their goal. So if they think they can make money with it, that's great. Um, they probably will. Now, you know, you, went, you now you have quite the lifestyle. So now you are just tra- <laughs> traveling around. Um, yes. Now, if this is true. Happily. Yeah. So no, but I it, it, this I find this fascinating. So you and the hubby are with your dogs are traveling around in an RV, um, just yes. go, just going around the country, um, and you get inspired by your traveling and the adventure that you have. Um, how did that start? Like, where did that come from? Because a lot of people won't just go. Well, let's sell the house and get an RV and let's just drive. You know, it's because you're in your 40s too, right? So it's not like you're seven, right, yeah. right? So not yet. No, no. I'm working. <laughs> sure, yeah, we're, we're, we hopefully we get there, but um, uh, I just I find that fascinating. Um, it's it must be a very free lifestyle. So when the last kid moved out, after 12 years of basically head down, trying to keep kids from killing each other themselves. Um, we, my husband came to me and said, and, and I told him, I said, I, we had a large home. Actually, we had two homes. Um, but we tended to take older kids, and so when they would grow out of the system, they needed a place to live. So we bought the house next door, and we had three acres and an urban farm, which is also something that makes you put your head down and work really hard. Yeah. Um, so we had the kids, we had the farm. Um, and so... When the last kid moved out, we were like, we don't need all this. So we, we sold the properties, and my husband said, let's run away. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I have to have a home. I will, you know, I'm a nester. I, you know, I write. I'm going to write. And so he ended up talking me in, into moving into an RV full time, <laughs> which, you know, was a big deal at the time. Well, yeah. And as of... I think like today or tomorrow, it was the very end of May, uh, three years ago, we moved into the RV and out of the houses. So it's this is kind of like another anniversary, our three-year anniversary in the RV, full time. Wow. That's a big change. Um, it was huge, actually, yes. Yeah, because it's a to- totally different lifestyle. Uh, so now, do you actually, uh, where do you travel? Like, where? what kind of what? parts of the country do you look for when you travel? <laughs> well, we did it backwards um, when we started. We left Missouri, <laughs> and we moved to Seattle for the winter. Don't ever do that. That's wrong, by the way. Don't. <laughs> Seattle has no sunlight at all. For three months. No, like, it really... Don't, don't. <laughs> it's yeah. wrong. Yeah, um, you, have to, you have to like the rain. No, yeah, and I, I so I, you know, I fancied myself as someone who could live in England. And so I'm like, oh, I can do this. I can. No, no. No, I was wrong. Um, so we left Seattle. We went to um, Georgia for the summer, like crazy, crazy people. Um, and so we went across country and stayed in Georgia over the summer that next year. And um, 
And then we got smart and decided that we would try to be in the warm places in the winter and the cool places in the summer. <laughs> but uh, my husband is a uh, registered nurse, and he still works, so we go where the contracts are. Oh, that's interesting. He, he's a contract nurse. Yeah. So, and, and so you mentioned that is the travels provide the inspiration. So, what is it about the travel? Is it uh, well, like what do you do um, with your with your time that gives you the inspiration? Like, cause, uh, so what's the day to day activity for you right now? Let's just say. Well, I said, and what is the day to day activity every day? Even before we were quarantined, was that I was quarantined? I sit in my chair and I write. <laughs> I'm antisocial. I'm your typical author. You know, I, I just kind of hide and, and my, my, my skin gets paler and paler as the time goes on. And <laughs> but um, I, I get a lot of inspiration from where we are um, because we do go out and travel and, and we like to explore. We like to take the back ways. Um, Aiden Inspired was written... Um, This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
about eastern Washington. Uh, and we had driven on the way to Seattle. We had stopped through eastern Washington State and saw the Snake River. Right. And it's such it's such an odd and different landscape than anywhere else in the country, I think, at least where I've been so far. And I was struck by it so much that I, I felt the inspiration, that the story that came in my head shortly after we left there just felt like it belonged in western Washington. And I, another little story about that, I, I had watched Ruth Hall do an interview about being married to a rancher in that area, Idaho, uh, Wyoming. It's that same landscape where it's her husband, his husband, uh, lives. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to put a rancher out in the middle of nowhere who's looking for a husband. <laughs> and then uh, this guy from New York naturally has to go there. And so that that's kind of how the inspiration happens. Um, I am also writing a three-part series that I hope to publish later this year that's based in the Big Bend National Park area. Again, it's a landscape that just intrigued me and I, I could just feel these characters and, and you know you don't think of southern tech west texas uh, as a place for gay men to be but they're there <laughs> no <laughs> they they're there <laughs> and they're but, cute <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the landscape in itself seems to be your biggest um influence like when you see landscape and and uh, certain areas of the country, that seems to be a big uh, drive for you. I think it's more of I want it to be. So when I was in Big Ben, I'm like, okay, so what would the story be here? What, what, what would it be like to be a character who lives here in such an isolated area, but that is so incredibly beautiful? Um, you know, and I'm terrified of snakes, and they have a lot of rattlesnakes there. And so, of course, you know, those have to show up in the story as well. <laughs> but you know it, it's more of what would it be like to be here and, and then be a gay person here and then how would you meet other gay people and then how would the community react to you and so then the story just begins to build upon itself then so it's interesting so when you're doing this and you're out and about do you, do you find that um, when things happen um, in the world like right now with the COVID-19 and and the lockdown and all the fear and all this stuff, the pandemic, does that make you write darker? Do you have, does that influence you to, to write uh, differently? It's an interesting question. I don't know that I, I what I find is that I don't write. I, I get, I, I guess where I'm influenced by COVID-19 was this um, social anxiety uh, and, and paralysis that, a lot of my author friends have told me that they're going through the same thing is that, you know, here I'm, I'm, I'm quarantined already, uh, self quarantined many years ago, but with all of this social anxiety and, and unrest and not sure what's going on, it tends to be more that it, it leads me not to write than to write darker. Um, I think once the pandemic is over, I certainly would, it would be more likely that it would influence me that way. Right, so it's more it's more of a um, kind of it kind of blocks um, some of the um, the writing. It does for me. It does. You know, I when I write, 
I, I tend to feel like I'm reading a novel while I'm writing the novel. I, it's, I'm definitely what they, writers have two terms. Either you're a planner or you're a, a pantser or a plotter or you're a pantser. And if you're a pantser, it means you just kind of write off the cuff. That's me. <laughs> 100%. I drive the college professor editor absolutely crazy. Um, but <laughs> I, I think, you know, when you're, when you're not planning and you're not putting your story down on paper and you're letting it flow, I think, you know, things like the, the virus or even a political unrest that we're dealing with now, it's kind of hard to put that aside and let your creative creativity flow. Um, and definitely with, with a lot of the things that are going on, not just COVID, but, you know, the things that are going on in Minneapolis, um, the political unrest in Washington, I, I think, you know, a lot of it can really squash your creativity. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of hard to be a creative author right now. Yeah, oh, I agree totally. I agree totally. I think the the last three months I've done very little um, in that area myself. Uh, it, it's kind of stifling, I guess is the good word. For it me. is. I think yeah. that's a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, and you mentioned Black Lives Matter before, and you, when when these things are happening the way it is now, and even with Black Lives Matter, and you're saying how people were getting treated, you know, badly, and all that stuff coming out with it, um, where do you think that comes from? Um, and even like this cop now that in the Minneapolis, as you mentioned it, do you think that's is it? direct strong racism or is it just something that is uh, you know you've grown up people have grown up with it and they just do it without thinking so I you know I'm really passionate about uh, racism um, because it is something I believe is a plague the worst plague in America and has been since the 1700s I think if anything pulls us down and destroys the country, it will be racism. So I'm very passionate about this conversation, <laughs> and I always will be. I grew up in the South. I was exposed to racism really, really early. Um, I had parents who tried not to be. I think they were they were making an effort to not be, but yet some of the things that came out of their mouths were horrendous. Um, yeah. You know, I I'm, I'm, was born in the 70s. Um, so I am a product of desegregation and what that actually, when it was at the very beginning, you know, we, we experienced it different, especially in the South, than I think uh, people do now. Because it was all new. It was an experiment. And people were excited about it or they hated it. It was You were on one side of the aisle or the other. Um, so I, I think... You know, I, I was so strongly influenced at it, such an early age and I never have, even when I was young, I never have been able to understand why the melanin in your skin should influence how, of course, I didn't think that as a kid. As an adult, that's his word. But I didn't think the color of someone's skin should really impact how we treat them. Why, why is that person treated differently? Why is my friend that I, you know, go to school with treated differently because he, his skin is different than mine? And I never could grasp that. And it's been confusing even even when i was young it was confusing to me why that we did that 
Yeah. I relate to that too because I, you know, I, I was growing up in in Canada, so I, I, I just don't get it, right? So, um, but that's, that's I find it interesting. So now you've taken that passion further because you you seem to be very um, um, vocal. Yeah. <laughs> very yeah. vocal, especially if you're on my Facebook page. I'm extremely vocal about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's you also it's, have to remember. Ten of my twelve children were African American, so I, you know, that has influenced me more too. I mean, I, I, it, you know, these are my kids we're talking about. Yeah. When, when you talk about a black man being more likely to be shot in America, you're talking about ten of my children. Yeah. So it yeah, was, it's, it's it has pretty, influenced me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's kind of it's hard. It's um hard to rationalize with uh, but it doesn't seem it, from my my point I'm, I'm not seeing it really getting much better um, a, a lot of for me I think a lot of the um, rioting or protesting or whatever you want to call it going on in, in Minneapolis is is a result of years and years of, of uh, black people being shot or killed by police and nothing happening yeah, I mean, so so you have to accept the fact that, so whether you're in Canada, the U.K., the United States, um, racism is pervasive. I think right. it's more so in the United States than it is in, in the other two countries. But I don't live in those countries, so I don't know. But I can speak for here, and I think that it's such an institutionalized thing that we don't even realize that we're racist. And I, and I have, if you've been on my Facebook page, you've seen that I argue quite frequently racism is intrinsic for people who are raised here. We see it on television. Uh, it's often hidden in different messages. Um, our parents teach it to us. Our schools teach it to us. Our teachers, our influencers, our churches, um, we're influenced by racism from the day we come out of the womb, I think. So it it isn't a matter of if we're racist or not. I think it's a matter of we're, we are, so what do we do not to let our institutionalized racism impact other people? And, and that's where my passion is, is, is that, you know, how do I prevent my institutionalized racism? Well, how do I recognize it, first of all? And then how do I keep it from affecting the people that I care about or people uh, that I am a citizen with in this country or, or other parts of the world? Yeah, I think that's a very, very interesting point. I think that's a very good point. Uh, um, I think that's probably a realistic way of looking at it. Um, um, we're born with differences and we naturally... Um, are curious about it, but um, for some reason, in some instances, we we learn to hate the differences rather than try to learn from them. Embrace so, them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of. Uh, do, do you do you want that to be part of your stories when you write like this? It this, is. I, it is. There's usually an undercurrent. I, I didn't do so as well as I would have liked to in the first three novels, but it's definitely there in the rest of them. You'll you'll catch them. Um, and I try to put it in, into points where the people can grasp it. Um, and, I, and I don't just use uh, one culture. I, I try to incorporate uh, multiple cultures across the, the spectrum, whether it's uh, in my first 
my first novel and the next series that I have coming out, uh, one of the main characters is Cuban or descended from Cuba, Cuban Americans. And then, uh, the other one is Mexican American. And then, um, I, you know, I have, uh, one that comes, the second novel in that series, the, the main character is Croatian. Although that's European, uh, the Croatians definitely struggled in the eighties when they came over here as well, as did the Irish at one point. So I, I think, you know, I try to point out racism and bigotry of, of, of many different levels. Um, but definitely, you know, I think it's, it's trying to get people to think about how are you internalizing, um, the differences in other people, whether they be immigrants in general or, you know, white or black or a person of color, Native American. All those are important to me to begin to talk about how they are, they are, um, our, our citizens, our fellow citizens, uh, whether you're in Canada or U.S. or another country. So, yeah. Yeah. I wonder, so, so maybe you'll get um, a, a, a mixed couple. Uh, in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and, and it's just coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I'm, but it's hard, you know, I, I'm, I am who I am, and this is, you know, I have this conversation with a couple of my black author friends. I, I am a white man from Tennessee, and so it, it really comes down to at what point does my writing need to not try to be something I don't know or don't understand well enough. And in that case, you need a co-author. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so you like working with other people, too, then? Do you think that's important? Uh, as far as co-authoring? We'll yeah. see. It's a new experience. So we'll see how that works out. <laughs> but I well, think I... I'm fine with it. I, I've enjoyed uh, co-writing other things, Um when I was in school, so I imagine it will be fine. Yeah, I think that you can each put in your own, um, you know, uh, experience, and and it 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 reads better than probably. Well, you have two characters, and they're they're two characters from different parts of of life in general. Whether it's two Caucasian characters, one could be from Canada, one from the United States, and you have very different ways of looking at the world. Um, so it's a matter of if you can get your co-author to work on that side of it. And, and it is almost like you're developing a relationship with them. Um, so it is, it's kind of, kind of interesting how it works out. <laughs> mm. Now, I, that's, that, that is interesting. Now, when you do your, um, male, male, uh, romance, are you concerned about having, um, sex in it? or sex scenes or, 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 or things like that? So there was a huge debate when I first started. Do I want to, do I want to write sex scenes or do I want to fade to black? <laughs> well, yeah, it's important because I get that. Um, we, we talked to uh, Joe Costanello and, and we've talked to, and so I, I just find it interesting. Um, and what Robert Innes, I guess, was one that said that he didn't put, um, sex scenes in it, and he would get complaints. So, uh, I, I kind of find that interesting. So when I first started, I was determined not to do it. I didn't want to put sex scenes in, um, and I was going to fade to black. And I, I reached out to several 
authors that were already writing M.M. Romance, and they all said, no, you have to do it. No one will buy your book. (laughs) 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 So I decided to go for it, and now I'm completely different about it. So now I'm like, well, you know, here's the deal. People have sex, and it's part of the experience, so, you know, I'm not going to hide from it. I'm going to, you know, go straight out. I'm going to go not straight. I'm going to go right for it. <laughs> Stay gay. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah. Um, but, but I think what's really interesting is, is the difference in, in male writers and female writers. Uh, and this has been where I have stumbled a bit. Uh, the majority of people who write gay romance are women. Um, and that's because the majority of people who read gay romance are women. In fact, the majority of people who read romance are women. Um, so, in general, <laughs> so naturally, that's the case with us as well. And I, in the um, the way that women write gay romance, it's different than I do. And I've had to take some classes actually uh, to to learn how to write gay romance. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so a gay a gay man is taking classes on learning how to write gay. Well, yeah, because the reality is, gay men, listen, I, I don't mean to be rude, but we're wound bound, thank you, and then off with it, you know, we're ready to go. Um, so there's not a whole lot of, you know, <laughs> cuddling and loving, and, you know, this is why Grinder is so popular. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's true. Um, but, but how can it, so this is something I've also heard is a controversy in this area. How does a woman, um, uh, how is a woman able to write about uh, an experience of two men being together? Because when you're with another man, when you're with your husband, uh, it's a different energy than if it would be uh, a woman. So how is she going to represent that correctly? Well, she's writing fiction. Mm-hmm. She's not writing a bibliography. She's writing fiction. She's writing about what her fantasy of a gay romance would be. You know, and this is why men in, in all romances, whether it's gay or straight or, or whatever, all men can, you know, have multiple orgasms all night long, every night for years. That's not real, um, but it's their fantasy and, and good for them. It, you know, it's my <laughs> fantasy to do that too, but in reality, you know, <laughs> it's a little different. So, uh, oh. <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really think it is a controversy. I think romance, the genre of romance was created by women, and it, it, it's theirs and has been theirs for generations. Without them, there would be no romance um, genre. Well, well, what is it that you're learning, um, let's say, when you say you take classes? <laughs> so, no, but what is it that... You have to do a lot more talking. So, you know, we, we, we don't do as much talking as, as uh, in real life as I think is, is done in, in writing. Right. And so, you know, we when I write my sex scenes, I'm really good at the internal dialogue of what the guy is thinking. Um, and, you know, there's some emotional parts of that, but mostly it's just what feels good. Hmm. And in, in the romance that's written, uh, it needs to be a lot more verbal, communicative, <laughs> things that guys don't tend to be very good at <laughs> in real life. 
again, it's fantasy. It's fantasy. So, so, so you're really kind of um, the sex scene is more than just blatant sex. There's 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 more of a dialogue going on then. Yeah. So so in a romance novel, and I don't, I think it's again across the board. It's about what it's about bonding. So for for me and for you know not all I don't want to stereotype all gay men because we are not all the same, but. I think men in general tend to tend to um, not use sex and bonding in quite the same way, and I don't think we we internalize sex in the same way that that women do. Some do, but I think it's a general rule. And so I think in a romance novel, it's really about helping the two characters bond. Uh, hmm. Sometimes it's about solidifying what you've been working on up to that point so that they're together because the sex scene is the ultimate opportunity for the two characters to get together. And in the book, and, and um, Bobby transformed, for example, when I first wrote it, I had Bobby having sex with multiple people at the very beginning because that's reality <laughs> and more than not. For a young man who just got to New York City from Iowa, I mean, he's going to go play, but um, not necessarily, but but more likely oh, yeah. than not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be getting on the grinder and finding out who's over there. So, you know, I I think, but but my editors were all like, no, you you really can't do that because your readers are bonding with all of these guys that he's messing around with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, so that don't really work. Um, and so it, from, it's been training me, the classes, the, the books that I've been reading. It's been about learning how to use the sex scene as a bonding moment uh, to, soli to solidify that relationship. And I'm not saying I'm great at it yet, but it's, it's definitely something, you know, that, that I'm working on. And, and I think that, that any romance writer has to learn to do. Right. Right. Well, it's a progression, right? Writing and, and authoring, each time you do a book, it, you, you do something new usually. You go for, forward in, in your writing, so that's part of it. Yeah. So so in my fifth book, the one that will come out um, probably in late July, if, if all goes to plan, um, <laughs> I, there's a lot more sex scenes in that because I think I finally got it. <laughs> you finally learned how to do it right. Finally got it, yeah. So I, it, it, but it's taken me a little bit of time to get there. <laughs> well, you know, I, I was going to say now, now with the name Allwood. I mean, that's a perfect name. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you create that name, or is that a real name? I did. I did create it, um, and it was intentional. <laughs> uh, I won't yeah. lie. That's <laughs> yeah, funny. I thought that, and then I thought, no, maybe it's no, maybe it's a Come real on, name. Please. Of course, it meant that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, well, there you go. Um, so he's Mister Allwood. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's that's great. Um, so now, I wonder. Now, do you have a um, um, a website that people can come find you at? I do. So blakeallwood.com is, so it's really easy, just my name.com. Um, and also we are going to have, I, Blake Allwood 
book club is a big deal on Facebook. I started it three months ago, and we're already around 1,300 participants. So we're going to do a virtual pride this year um, for book geeks, um, and it is going to be over the 4th of July weekend because so many people are still quarantined. You know, we want to have a little – we have want to have fun on the 4th of July, so – we're going to have a big event where a lot of the different authors are going to be um, presenting, and there's going to be lots of uh, giveaways. So hmm. that's, we're Sounds looking like forward a, to that. A big party now. Is it clothing optional? <laughs> it is. Quarantine. It's quarantine. Everything is, you know, clothing optional is every day, right? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, saw it guess... recently. I loved it. It said, you don't know if your waist is expanding if you're not wearing pants. And I thought, gosh, that's a perfect. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, so you're you're you were mentioning earlier. So this 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 kind of writing doesn't affect your husband because he doesn't really read this type of book, does he? He no, no he. But I will say this: he does hope. I, I, he's begun to help edit but only because I think he's hoping that I'll become wealthy and he can become a kept husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. There's, there's, there's always so, a, yeah, there's always something behind it. That's fascinating. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's fascinating. Well, it, um, I'll tell you, it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed talking to you, and um, we're going to have your website. We'll have your books up as well, and uh, so people listening can find you real easy if they can't remember the name Allwood. <laughs> it is <And> memorable <laughs> it certainly is um wow um so um it's been a pleasure and i'm and i'm and i look forward to more of your books and more of your events and i hope you do well and and uh, i'm glad you've uh sit down sit down and taken the time to to talk to me today i appreciate you letting me come on prepared legacy food storage the best way to protect your family is by being prepared go now to legacyfoodstorage.com use coupon code HOM15 now for 15% off quick go more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery Radio Show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.